0: Well, hello, and welcome to this episode of the Political State Podcast from the Oklahoman. This episode was recorded on Thursday, March 31st. I'm Ben Felder, a journalist with the Oklahoman covering state government. My podcast partner, Carmen Foreman, is away this week. So joining me today is Maria martinez kiel the Oklahoman's education reporter. Maria, thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you uh, today, Um, you know, this is an election year, which is something that uh, Carmen and I talk a lot about on this podcast. Um, But we've mainly been focused on the race for governor and some of the federal races, and we may talk a little bit today about the governor's race, but Maria, I I asked you to join us so that we could talk about the race for state superintendent. Um, You know, a down ballot race, a statewide position. Um, that I don't know, maybe it doesn't get a lot of attention, but in some circles, it gets a lot of attention, especially in the public school world. Um, and I think this is a race that definitely could garner a lot of attention this year, uh, especially since one of the candidates is the current Secretary of Education um, and has joined the governor and advocating for, for various education policies. So, Naria, we're still a few weeks away from the official filing and we'll have the official names that will appear on the ballot, uh, starting with the primaries. In June, but based on what we know right now, who are the candidates running for this open seat currently held by Joy Hofmeister, who's turned out of
1: the the chair? Yeah, we have three Republicans and one Democrat who have launched campaigns for this race. There's still a little bit of time for somebody else to throw their hat in the ring, but right now the field um, is April Grace, the superintendent of Shawnee Public Schools. She's running as a Republican. Uh, You have John Cox, the superintendent of Heggs Public Schools, another Republican who ran two times as a Democrat um, and now decided to uh, attempt running as a Republican. And then you have Ryan Walters, our Oklahoma Education Secretary, um, who's a part of Governor Stit's cabinet, another conservative candidate. And then just today, um, again, we're reporting this on Thursday, March 31st, uh, Gina Nelson, the 2020 Oklahoma Teacher of the Year, uh, announced her campaign as a Democratic candidate.
0: So let's start with the Republican field, um, where there actually is a field, because as you said, Nelson right now so far is the only Democrat in the race. Um, I, I don't know who to call the front runner on this. I mean, they all have interesting backstories. Uh, you know, like you said, a superintendent of a fairly large school district in Shawnee uh, by Oklahoma standards. John Cox, uh, who's who's run before. But let's start with with Ryan Walters. Um, you know, this is a state's education or secretary of education, um, and as someone who has become. You know, more known, especially over the past year. I, who, who is Ryan?
1: Yeah, Ryan Walters is a high school history teacher from McAllister. He was a finalist a couple of years ago for the Oklahoma Teacher of the Year Award, um, and now he is the Education Secretary for Governor Kevin Stitt. Um, he's also the Executive Director for Every Kid Counts Oklahoma, which um, it, it's kind of hard to pinpoint what exactly that organization does, but they do tend to advocate for certain more conservative education policies more school choice education policies. Um, And he's really running as a staunch conservative. We've seen him in recent weeks really lean hard into the right wing rhetoric. Um, He's posted videos of himself speaking on uh, social media, talking about how Oklahoma schools won't go woke, how we won't have uh, left wing or you know leftist indoctrination in our schools. Uh, he celebrated the uh, signing of the Save Women's Sports Act, which uh, prevents uh, people who are born as biological male from competing in women's sports, even if they're undergoing hormone therapy. And then he also uh, really has railed against critical race theory, which is a college level academic concept that is not Taught in Oklahoma's public schools. Um, but you know he, he celebrated House Bill 1775, which a lot of people remember as banning certain topics of race and gender from classrooms. Um, and, and he views this bill as a ban on CRT, even though CRT is not mentioned in this bill at all. Um, so you, we really see him taking on a lot of these national talking points that have kind of taken the GOP by storm, especially coming from that right wing. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's interesting that he's kind of established himself as, as that kind of candidate, but he really has been leaning hard into that in recent weeks.
0: Yeah, I mean, kind of really embracing the culture wars that uh, we don't commonly see associated with a state superintendent race, but maybe we shouldn't be that surprised because it definitely seems like, you know, the political culture wars of the day have really uh, infiltrated schools or at least the, the school debate.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're seeing all over the country Republicans you know, basing their campaigns based on education-related issues. You know, almost kind of a pro-clutching over more moral issues. You know, I think we saw that with Glenn Youngkin running and succeeding in the Virginia governor's race. And I don't know if he really set the blueprint. Maybe that's something that um you and Carmen could talk about a little bit more sometime. But. I think we're seeing that more and more. We're definitely seeing it here in Oklahoma. So you're right. I mean, I don't think we should be surprised to see um, a, a position that is entirely focused on education to include uh, some of these talking points. Um, but, you know, as we'll see, our Democratic challenger, who I'm sure we'll talk about in, in a bit, um, she rejected those ideas, you know, as a teacher herself. Um, but but yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and uh, Walters has definitely been, the, the leading voice uh, from that respect. Um, and, and echoed a lot of uh, Governor Kevin Stitt's priorities and policies as well.
0: Yeah, and we should note, I mean, obviously this is a Republican primary that he's supposed to he's trying to win first. So that sometimes kind of embraces the kind of the, the you know, the the red meat, so to speak, of, of your party's base on both sides of the aisle. Um, but let's talk about one specific policy, uh, you know, issue that is kind of a defining issue in this campaign. And that is the idea of uh, a public or private school voucher or the idea of taking public tax dollars and using it to fund uh, private school tuition for some students. Now, you've reported a lot on this in recent weeks and months. Um, this was a bill that started in the Senate. It was nearly defeated last week in the Senate. Um, you know, even before that, it was getting opposition from the House. Um, but this is a plan that the governor has really, you know, uh, planted a flag in. I mean, he he talked about it in his state of the state address and really uh, advocated for this. And so has Ryan Walters, who I believe is the only candidate of the three to be in support of this. The other two candidates um, have said in some form or fashion that they are not that they they were against this bill and and the idea of private school vouchers. But so this is an issue that, um, you know, I think we're probably going to hear a lot from uh Ryan, especially since the bill was defeated this year, or seems to be defeated this year, and so it, it may become a wedge issue over the next over the next several months.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing that really sets Ryan Walters apart from his Republican opponents is he, I think, is the most um, he's the biggest proponent of school choice issues. Um, for example, I went to his campaign kickoff back in September, and you just scan around the room, and there's there was far more of a presence from the charter school crowd and the charter school groups than from, you know, any traditional public school. Um, So I think you're going to see him, if he were to win, you would see him really championing uh, a lot of uh, pro-charter policies. And I mean, that would be in line with Governor Kevin as well. uh, As we saw him uh, speaking in the state of the state address, Um, he outright, you know, supported this bill, Senate bill 1647, which, uh, at the time, would have granted universal uh, vouchers to, to public schools, and it would have granted uh, taxpayer dollars to support people who want to homeschool their children. Um, since then, the you know there's been an income cap placed in that bill, and they mixed uh, the homeschool piece of it. Um, so it would have just covered private school costs. And and you're right. I mean, House Speaker Charles McCall uh, right away said, "No, we're not going to hear this in the House. This bill is not going to go anywhere. This we just." There's a strong rural contingent that takes issue with this bill. We don't think it's going to serve uh, rural schools or rural communities like it would maybe metro. Um, And so, yeah, it it had a tough road from the very beginning and and narrowly fell in the uh, the state uh, Senate on on the Senate floor. um, Late night vote where they left left the vote open for a couple of hours and they still couldn't get the votes that they needed. Um, but yeah, and, and you saw after that fail, Ryan Walters kind of commiserating the, the, the failure of that bill, and, and uh, they're hopeful that maybe it will be taken up in the future. But uh, both Kevin Stitt and Ryan Walters said that they hope to see that pass, and, and I think that's kind of right in line with the pro-charter and uh, you know, non-traditional education support that they offer kind of from their education platforms.
0: Yeah. I mean, who knows if if Ryan Walters were to win the primary and then the general election, if that would be seen as a mandate, we'll have to see what the debate shapes out to be. But it could I I I could very well see that being the case that if he were to win, that he would be able to say, hey, I think that means that voters are in line with our with our school choice policies. And I should note that it's that the state superintendent really doesn't have any control over this issue of vouchers. Uh there is some control as as a member of the state school board when it comes to charters and oversight. But um, you know, this is really a legislative issue and then ultimately would be have to be approved by the governor. Um but as a top school official, it's definitely um you definitely have a bully pulpit. So to speak, when it comes when it comes as issue issue.
1: Right, right, for sure. And like the State Department of Ed would have a big role in implementing this policy yes. if it were to pass. But you're right, it, it's very much in, in the hands of the legislature and the governor as to whether it will come to be or not.
0: Yeah. So uh Ryan Walters, very pro vouchers. Like we said, the other two Republicans have said that they aren't against it, but another candidate, the candidate, the candidate on the Democratic side, is very much against um vouchers. Uh Tell us a little bit about uh, Gina Nelson.
1: Yeah, Gina Nelson is a middle school teacher from Deer Creek Public School. She teaches English composition. Um, she won Oklahoma Teacher of the Year in 2020, um, and yeah, she—that uh, was one of the very first issues that she talked about in her campaign launch event on Thursday, uh, which was you know keeping you know the Democratic line that we've seen time and again of keep public dollars in public schools. Um, you know, she, she used Kevin Stid as wanting to dismantle public education for even pursuing this. Um, and she, you know, she said she was happy to see this bill fail, but she believes that will it'll uh, come back up time and time again, uh, quote, with a vengeance, uh, is what she said. Um, so I, I think you'll definitely see uh, an anti-voucher proponent in her for sure, uh, which I think you'd see amongst any Democrat, not any Democrat. We did see one vote for it in, in the Senate, but uh, I think on the whole, uh, most Democrats oppose this. And she would fall
0: right in line with that. Yeah, you're talking about that, um, her campaign announcement today, which you were covering um, on the scene for us. Um, you know, I was doing some work for my desk and then on my Facebook feed her that video kind of popped up. And so I, I, I pressed play just to listen while I was working. And I think I was like a few minutes late. Are a few minutes into the start. And by the end, you know, she she finished her speech. There were some questions. I know you got a chance to ask some questions. Um I didn't hear her talk about vouchers at all. I was like, wow, maybe maybe that's not an important issue. And so I re I I restarted the video and you're right. It was like the one of the very first thing. So she re, so not only did she talk about vouchers, but as you said, um she really kind of opened her her campaign um as an opponent. And also you know one thing I thought was interesting is I'm I'm looking at this quote that you sent me um from what she said. Um, She said, you know, we know that this governor and his friends want to dismantle public education and turn our kids into dollar signs. I can't help but think that by friends, she's talking about his secretary of education.
1: I think so. And maybe you throw in the author of Senate Bill 1647. And with that, uh, Pro Tem Greg Tweet. Um, But yeah, I think she is absolutely, um, you know, subtweeting. You know her 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 campaign yeah. opponent. Um, and she's like not, not just sub-tweeting, she's tweeted directly at him before, even before she now she was running, you know, just to be openly critical of him. So I, I think absolutely there is gonna be some undertones of that there.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting to me is, um in a state like Oklahoma, it can sometimes be hard to find a strong democratic candidate for a statewide race. and it's not uncommon. For us to get this close to a filing period and still not know who's going to be a democratic candidate sometimes for a statewide race and sometimes that means that we end up getting kind of just a, a ballot filler i mean just someone that you don't really know much about and maybe you know the, the party kind of you know ask someone to at least put their name on the ballot to just have a choice at least um, but i you know i you know not putting any you know personal support behind her candidacy but i actually felt like she came across as a pretty strong candidate and when you look at her resume, I'm not saying she's going to win, but I mean, like you said, a former teacher of the year so who has had some experience traveling the state, um, and is very well known to educators, maybe not to the general public yet, but um, you know, a good public speaker and seemed to have, you know, if Ryan Walters has a clear message, and I think he does, okay, he knows what political lane he's in, uh, she seemed to have it too.
1: Yes, uh, I I think it's gonna be really interesting to see how the you know quote-unquote education establishment receives her because for so long um, it was just republicans in this race Um, it it was looking more and more like this election was going to be decided in the republican primary and i think april grace really uh, assumed the role of the establishment pick i mean mm-hmm. there's some people that really hate that phrase but when you look at her campaign finance reports um you'll see a lot of superintendents on her donor list a lot of leadership and education advocacy groups and in, in her donor list um, and now i'm very curious to see um if gina nelson uh, throws a wrench into that somewhat or if you see some people who maybe were leaning towards april grace now start leaning towards gina nelson um, I don't know. I, I I wish I had a crystal ball in that. Um, but yeah, Gina Nelson. I mean, she's very pro teacher. She's a teacher herself. I think she wants to kind of push aside and reject some of these right wing talking points and just focus on you know what teachers need, what public schools need. Um, and yeah, I mean, she even when she was a, a teacher of the year, um, she's always super enthusiastic. She's you know she's very passionate about public speaking. Uh, she's uh, you know a very exuberant person. Uh, and so it, that definitely came across in her campaign speech today. Um, and she's been, you know, an outspoken voice, um, at least on social media, ever since she uh, was teacher of the year, you know, even uh, when she was still as that teaching ambassador, um, she was a speaker in favor of, you know, getting vaccinations. She, she spoke at a vaccine clinic and, and you know. There was a whole photo op of her getting a vaccine as teacher of the year. Um, So we've seen her be involved in these kind of statewide issues before. Um, And so I guess this is another progression of that. Um, I I actually spoke with the uh, chair of the Oklahoma Democratic Party, Alicia Andrews. She was there at the campaign event for Gina Nelson today. Um, And and she said that they started talking to Gina in January about whether she would think about running for this role. apparently you know she really needed time to think about that you know she's still a working public school teacher they don't get a whole lot of time off unless it's a school break um, and so taking on a statewide campaign um, is, is a hefty responsibility especially if if you have a family like she does she has two kids and, and a husband um, and so she needed time to really weigh that as an option um, and then i think she ultimately came around to doing it and i don't know for sure if this uh, was on her mind but i Imagine that it wasn't um, this. Some of the statements that Ryan Walters has put out in, in recent weeks, you know, just it, it, I don't want to say it's inflammatory, but it definitely has gotten people riled up on social media, and, and I think Gina might be one of them. And so, um, yeah, I think she, you know, finally came around to running, and, and now is is ready to get started. Um, but for a while there, it, it I think there were some Democrats that were um, thinking they might have to switch their party affiliation just to be able to vote for the next state superintendent and so I think that was a piece of this as well as just some relief from the Democrats and independents in Oklahoma who now feel like they have a candidate that they can vote for without having to completely change their party.
0: Yeah, and like we said, I mean, in a state like Oklahoma, uh, winning a statewide right race um, is still a big challenge for Democrats. Democrats will be quick to tell you they do have one statewide seat. Now that's, you know, it's Joy Hoffmeister who switched from Republican to Democrat. She wasn't elected as a Democrat, but they do technically have one. Um, you know, I, what I what I find uh, interesting about uh, um, about Gina Nelson is, you know, t- teachers. You know, you can't. I don't think you can win a race just by the support of teachers, right? Um, but, you know, as well as anybody that the the teaching profession and kind of the public education, uh, you know, environment, especially on social media, is fairly engaged and fairly large. I mean, there's a couple of, you know, Facebook pages dedicated to uh, education issues or rural school issues that are pretty large and do pretty good jobs of, like, getting their and quote unquote members, you know, not actual members, but their followers kind of on message and kind of champion behind the same things. And, um, you know, I think we've seen these groups have some success, maybe with the voucher bill and then going back several years to the to the teacher walkout. So like I said, I mean, if she gets the teacher vote, it's, that's not going to be enough to win. But um, you, you have to imagine that that she's going to be a candidate that a lot of these, these pro-education, pro-public education groups are, are going to maybe throw some support behind.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's absolutely right. And I am, again, very curious how that impacts April Grace, because I think without Gina Nelson in this race, I think April Grace would have been the ideal candidate for that, um, that those spheres. Um, and, and so now I'm, I'm really wondering, I mean, April Grace, you know, she's running as a conservative. Part of her platform is, is uh, you know, talking about how critical race theory has no place in public schools and she wants to keep radical movements um, out of public schools, but I don't think she's gone so far to as Walters has in, in that respect. Um, and so, you know, there, there are Republican, you know, tendencies in her platform as well. Um, so maybe not everybody in that education and teacher realm would agree with that. But I think, again, just the fact that she already has so much support uh, from, you know, leaders in public education, um, that you know she might maybe would have been the ideal candidate and maybe she still is. I, you know we don't know for sure, yeah. um, but um, I, I am very curious just to see if that that group or those types of groups get a little bit split between Nelson mm-hmm. and Grace. Um, and, and I'm I don't know if these are going to be the two candidates that end up on the general election ballot. Um, that would be. But yeah, so I, I think those you're right those groups are very outspoken and there's a lot of attention. to High level education policy, I think the, the teacher walkout in 2018 really set the tone for that um, and, and that that interest still persists today, so I think there's going to be quite a bit of interest in the state superintendent race from those groups
0: yeah i mean i think i think different scenarios could be interesting for different reasons obviously like you said i think i think nelson and and grace you know provide kind of an interesting dynamic but i think that a a walters nelson general really provides very you know diverge not to say there's nobody in the state that would have a tough time deciding for whatever reason that might might be in their mind, but I think for most voters would kind of create a very clear distinction between between the, the two candidates. I you know. Finally, you know, one thing I think is going to be interesting to watch. Um, you know, we don't want to talk too much about the governor's race. We kind of mentioned that a little bit, and I think the same way that the that the voucher bill could is going to be an issue in the superintendent race. I think the same could be said for uh, the governor's race. And I actually, have a story that's coming out of Monday's paper about this. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting to see if Hofmeister. Um, the democratic candidate for governor who we mentioned before had switched parties does she throw her support behind one of these superintendent candidates um i have a hard time i i i don't believe that she would be a supporter of walters so um and and, and now you might say a democratic candidate would just naturally support all the democratic candidates but i you know given the fact that she's kind of running as a moderate i don't know if that'll be the case for her, I could see her supporting Nelson over Walters, but I don't know what she would do uh, if we saw a Grace Nelson can, or ticket or a uh, uh, ballot.
1: Yeah, I'm very, very interested to see who or if Joy Hoffmeister uh, decides to endorse. Um, this would be endorsing somebody to be her successor in this position mm-hmm. as the head of the Oklahoma State Department of Education, and as the chair of the State Board of Education. Um, I think, you know, whomever Hoffmeister throws her support behind, I think that would carry some weight with people. Um, I, I think there are, especially as we talked about this kind of education contingent and, and people who are really hyper focused on these education issues. A lot of those folks have a lot of respect for Joy Hoffmeister and, and they're very excited that she's running for governor. Um, again, I don't know if numbers wise, if that's going to propel her to to win a, in a general election situation. But um, I think a lot of those people do listen to her. Um, and so I am very curious because coming into this race, um, you know, back in the summertime before Hoffmeister even announced that she was running for governor, um, kind of when April Grace was first announcing her, her candidacy, um, you could kind of see Hoffmeister and Grace uh, being one side of the ticket, and then Stitt and Walters being mm-hmm. another alternative side of the ticket. Um, and then you throw in Hoffmeister changing her party, um, and then you throw in Gina Nelson running as a Democrat. And I am very fascinated to see if or when Hoffmeister announces an endorsement, who it would be. Um, because again, I mean, Hoff, you're right, Hoffmeister's running as a moderate. Uh, I think there are some Democrats that question whether she really, truly is a Democrat and whether she would support Democratic policies or at least all of the Democratic policies. Um, and so maybe maybe she wouldn't shy away from supporting April Grace as a Republican. Who knows? Um, but that's very fascinating. I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens with that.
0: Yeah. And in a way, it seems like Walter is just running against her. He's kind of running against her her legacy as superintendent in the same way that the governor is running against her, obviously, directly. Um, at least that's the presumption is going to be in the general election. Um, you know it's uh, it's interesting to me, you know that for a governor that has been talking so much about a top 10 state and ways that he's making Oklahoma a top 10 state. Um, he's really been highlighting um, on Oklahoma's bottom 10 status as uh, when it comes to public education. Um, yes, a school system that is under his watch, but is also under the direct watch of, of Hoffmeister and so. Um, Walters is kind of using the same, has been using a lot of the same language. So in a way, it seems like Walter is more than the candidates that he's actually going to appear against on the ballot. He's running against Hoffmeister and her tenure as superintendent.
1: Yeah, and that's part of why they say, you know, they're supportive of school choice, is you know, the, the way we're doing things now is not getting the job done. We're nowhere near the top 10. And so we should try something different and support these unique schools or, or support kids going to private schools, um, you know, because the current public education system is so behind. Um, I think people in the public education sphere would say, well, you've been underfunding us for years. We still have not fully recovered from pre-2009 levels. Um, you know, so I think that the argument on that side is, well, you haven't done enough to us in a position to succeed um and and i think that probably would be uh, hoffmeister's argument not maybe not her exact words but um i think that's kind of where that side of things comes from there um but yeah i i think you're definitely right that it it is a a meant to be an indictment of the job that joy hoffmeister has done over the past eight years Um, And I think another dig is the fact that the governor called for uh, an audit of the State Department of Education. I think that, I mean, Hoffmeister, I think at the time called it an attack on public education that that governor asked for that. Um, So I think that as well was meant to, you know, you can't help but wonder if they meant that personally (laughs) against Hoffmeister herself, especially with it being campaign season.
0: Yeah, well definitely. Well, Naria, I know obviously your your coverage is focused on schools this time of year. Sometimes it means covering the capital as it did with the voucher bill. And in a year like this, it also includes elections. So we appreciate you coming on to talk about that. And definitely we'll have to bring you on again to talk about the superintendent race and, and the governor's race as well, which has a has a big education um, you know, undertone just with uh, the state superintendent running on the ballot. So Naria, thanks so much for your time.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Yep,
0: yeah, you bet that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the Political State Podcast. Carmen Forman will be back with me next week for another episode. You can find this and every other episode on your favorite podcast app by subscribing or going to the Oklahoman YouTube page for the Oklahoman. I'm Ben Felder. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with you next week.